Okay, season two, here we come. The Kardashians are back on Hulu. We're back in case you missed us. This September. We are starting to talk wedding dresses. Everything gets elevated. I do believe in love. When you love, you know you're alive. You have these feelings. No matter how crazy things are, we're always going to be family. Now hold your crown up. The Kardashians Season 2, streaming this September only on Hulu. This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Una Healy. You might have noticed as well that RSVP and Goth.ie and a few of those online places picked up on our chat about Eurovision. Will she do Eurovision? Who knows? Who knows? Um, I am so delighted, though, about this other episode with the other Una that I mentioned in the previous episode. This episode you're listening to was recorded over a year ago in London on the same trip that I made to record the interview with Jackie O'Sullivan from Bananarama. So this is an episode that has been around for absolutely ages and I'm really glad that you are getting it into your ears. Now, if you're a fan of 90s Irish pop, you will of course know Una Gibney, but it also involves the launch of another artist. But stay tuned and all will be revealed. If you like this show, make sure that you subscribe wherever you downloaded this and you won't miss an episode. If you want to give back, you can give us a five-star review on iTunes to help other people find the show. But better still, you can subscribe to Headstuff Plus. Just go to headstuffpodcast.com forward slash register and in return for just five euro a month you will get access to bonus content for fascinated and all of the other shows on the headstuff network i will post bonus content for every episode and there will be special bonus episodes just for subscribers that's headstuffpodcast.com forward slash register okay on with the show Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. My guest today is Una Gibney. Now, if you are from outside of Ireland, and most of you are, you may not have heard of Una, but trust me, this story is one of the great injustices of pop music, and I am so glad that I get to tell it. First, let me set the scene. The 90s was a strange time in pop music. The same decade was responsible for a new strain of R&B, rave, Britpop, and pop went seriously bubblegum, with the birth of the boy band. However, in Ireland, the music scene was very different. We had Enya, U2, the goddess that is Sinead O'Connor, but the music scene was essentially rock bands. In 1994, Boyzone were formed and the Irish boy band became a thing. But there was no girl band following suit. There was no pop girl anything. In fact, in the previous year, UK acts like Eternal, Michelle Gale and Dina Carroll were at their peak selling millions of records. Dina Carroll had won the Brit Award. But Ireland has always failed women in pop music. Even our queen, Samantha Mumba, despite phenomenal worldwide success, only released one album. At the time, Ireland didn't have the infrastructure for pop acts. There was no teen circuit, there were no school gigs. In fact, there was probably nowhere to buy the costumes. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. And in 1994, Una Gibney decided that she was going to go pop and she would be making her own costumes. Thank you very much. Already established on the Irish music scene, Una was a session singer. She had fronted the band Split Decision and had won Battle of the Bands. Una signed a deal with Warner Music Ireland and in the summer of 1994 released her debut single, Crawl. Posters went up all around Ireland with the striking cover photo. The colour was blown out on the photograph, giving Una a pale Elvira-like glare. The song was a hands-in-the-air floor filler. For the summer of 94, Una was everywhere. She toured with two dancers opening for Boyzone and performing to huge crowds at summer festivals like Cork Rocks and Beat on the Street. 
The song hit number four in the charts and caught the attention of the very cool SoundCloud Orchestra, who gave the track a second life by remixing it and issuing what has become a very collectible 12-inch record. The B-side of Crawl was a ballad called Mother Star. Una was hoping that the next release would be a big pop ballad. After all, Dina Carroll was having huge success in the UK by alternating between big ballads and big dance tracks. Instead of a ballad though, the label had their eyes set on the gigs that Una was doing and another up-tempo track was chosen. Super love experience, one word. The track had gone down a storm at summer festivals, but the summer was over and the track stalled in the charts. Camp Una decided to regroup while issuing a double pack CD of Super Love Experience and Crawl. At the time, Una was also working as a model and was rarely off Irish screens, but music-wise she spent most of 1995 recording 26 new tracks. The sudden success of Crawl had been a shock, but so had the stalling of Super Love Experience and Una wanted to get the next step just right. In 1996, the record label decided that the next step should be a ballad, but a cover version. The Randy Crawford song, You Might Need Somebody, was chosen and Una went away and recorded the song. A video shoot was arranged in London and the single was released in Ireland in late November of 1996, with a UK release also planned. The song was a hit in Ireland and the video was great. Good things were predicted for the UK release. It was the perfect relaunch. Probably too perfect. Because little did Una know, there was a bomb about to drop. Around the time that Una was releasing Crawl, 16-year-old Shola Alma also signed to a subdivision of the Warner label. A few months before Una released You Might Need Somebody, Shola Alma released You're the One I Love and it charted at number 85 in the UK charts. She too was in need of a relaunch. On the 7th of April, less than four months after Una's version had been a hit, Shola Alma released You Might Need Somebody in the UK. It went to number four in the UK charts and was top 10 in France, New Zealand, the Netherlands, and of course in Ireland, where Una's version had already been getting radio airplay. Now, of course, coincidences happen. And yes, people release songs and then other people have bigger hits with them. Bananarama's version of Last Thing On My Mind completely flopped and then Steps released it and they had a massive hit. But this was the same song, the same label, released four months apart with a video that is uncomfortably similar in its style and colour palette. So much so, it would be really hard to see how the storyboard would have been different. Girl stands on balcony surrounded by plants, girl walks around apartment. For Una, it must have been devastating. Yet, in a way, it was also an affirmation. It had all worked, but for somebody else. While the deal with Warners was now done, Una dusted herself off and continued modelling. Now, as she was unsigned, she was freer to take a lot of the high-profile work that was offered without needing the record label's approval. She formed Boogie Nights, which became Ireland's biggest party band, and ended up selling out numerous theatre runs. The popularity of the band led Una to independently release the single Giving Up. In 2005, a follow-up single, Push It, was planned, but was cancelled when Una signed up to a world tour as a soloist in Michael Flatley's Celtic Tiger. Una followed this in 2008 by appearing in the TV special, The Voice Within. In 2012, along with David Shannon, she was a contender to represent Ireland in the Eurovision Song Contest, but was beaten, of course, by Jedward, with their entry, Waterline. Since then, Una has become a mother, and when I spoke to her over a year ago, she was considering dipping her toe back into showbiz. A lot has happened since then, but now things are looking brighter, so who knows what will happen. Either way, back in 1994, things were changing in Irish music, and Una stuck her hand up and said, what about the girls? While it didn't work out exactly as she planned, 
she did kick in the door so other girls could walk through. This is the very fabulous Una Gibney. You will never make me cry. So, we're in London. We are, yes. It's Una Gibney. Oh I'm goodness. so excited, Una. I have to say, I'm so excited. Oh. I remember the first time I heard of Una Gibney and you were on a radio station in Dublin. Mm. I can't remember. It was, I think it was a pirate radio station. Probably uh, would have been, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you were promoting your single Crawl. And I was studying for, because I was an Apple nerd, I was studying for some school Good test man. or something. <laughs> and I remember it was history. <laughs> so I was, yeah. Uh, oh God, I remember it was the Renaissance. That's what it was. And you were doing an interview about memory. your new single. And I was like, and then they said you were from Fingless. And I was like, oh my God, at last we have a pop a star. A <laughs> At last, we've got one. Uh, and then I rang in and I won the competition to win a signed CD single. Yes. Oh my. I have a signed copy oh of Crawl. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was over the moon. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. Thank yeah. you very much for ringing in and winning that. <laughs> I was delighted with myself. And I think I went to a signing as well when you were signing copies in a CD shop of uh, the third one, the You Might Need Somebody. Right. Uh, and I went, to, I missed the one in Dublin. And then I went to the one in Dundalk. I was wondering, were you at the one that was one of my favourite ever in stores that I did? Uh, was for when I when we released Crawl. I thought you were going to say you were at that one. And that was on, what was the record store that was long where um, on the, just near the, the, the O'Connell Bridge, but on the south side of the bridge. What was that big record shop there? Virgin Megastore. Was it Virgin? I think it might have been Virgin. And I was doing um, I was doing on a little keys. in store there. On the keys, yeah. yeah and yeah. I was doing a little in store there. And um, in the middle, something went wrong with the sound. Like it all just oh, suddenly no. went down in the tracks. Because obviously I'd be singing live vocals to backing tracks and I had two dancers. And everybody kind of just like hushed us all and got off stage. And I just thought, people are going to leave here thinking that this is, and all I want to do is sing. And I don't really care if I have the backing track or not. So I went out and I just said to people, we're going to try it without it. And I got the whole crowd clapping it on to keep the beat. And I sang the whole thing, <laughs> no throwing way. in the backing vocals and everything where I could, sang the whole thing. And people came up to me afterwards and for years later and said, that was the best thing we ever saw. And I just thought, well, I was, I just, I just wanted to do it first. Thing. I wasn't yeah, gonna, yeah. I built up to this moment. You know what it's like? You're like, oh, I've arrived. I'm in an in-store doing it, you know. And uh, and I still remember that. Like, that's one of the, wow. it's funny the things you remember. Like, yeah, you remember, yeah. see, I remember that thinking, I can do it. Like, I rec- I've shown people I can really do it. So yeah. all back. And I just wanted to be here and sing. And if you like the song, buy the CD. That was it, you know. It was so cool back in those days because there was stuff like, there was, you actually got the physical copy of the song. Yeah. And you could read. I still like the, that. I love that. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm so old school that way you know I, I quite like having a CD player and proper you know old school I, I tried to get rid of all my parallel down and then oh God, don't I got let Ryan my here vinyls. that you'll be at home throwing them out <laughs> I got my vinyls out of like my parents attic and then I was like yeah I'll give them all to a charity shop and I was like no no I'm not oh no you can't no, do that you can't do it I, I, oh, it's, it's, I just think it's Part of buying music back then was you were reading the inlay cards and you were reading the thank yous. Yeah, and, and you wanted to look at all stuff. the artwork on the cover and all the, you know, you, you could see the outside of the cover in the shop, but you had to buy it to get the plastic off to have a look in. So, you know, yeah, exactly. And be able to read. I mean, how many wham lyrics did I learn from holding the thing up at breakfast yeah. and dinner and lunch, you know, at home? <laughs> To every song, you know, all the Spandau Ballet, all the Duran Duran. That was when I was growing up and you would all be in school, you know. But that was it. And, it was, I, and I loved saving your pocket money and buying it. And I loved yeah. like, buying Smash Hits magazine. Yeah, and, and I love it when you you find a, a CD single now and it has the price on it. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, air price. You really yeah. had an yeah, air price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us, when did, you, when did you first start singing? Well, I sang all my life. I've been singing since, you know, my first proper memories of singing and being on stage, actually, were when I was about three or four at, like, family weddings. And, you know, I'd be up annoying the band. Can I get up and sing? And they'd be like, you know, who's this toddler? And I'd get in a sulk because they wouldn't let me. And then somebody go, just let her sing. And I'd be up singing, you know, some ABBA or some whatever the yeah, current yeah. song or Ben by Michael Jackson. I used to sing that year. I'd be holding my hair up and, you know. And loving it. I didn't know how well I did it, but I loved doing it. Oh, and wow. then I'd, you know, so you got a bug early. Yeah, I just, you know, that was, I always felt like, I was quite shy, would you believe, when I was very little. I was quite a shy kid. But when I got on stage, like in school, I did, um, we did like, uh, um, the, we did the Wizard of Oz and I was the majorettes. We did Annie in school. I did the Sound of Music in school as well. So we did all this stuff that I used to love being on stage and anything that was musical. Like my yeah. favourite movies were all those Wizard of Oz and like from way back, anything that yeah, was yeah. musical I loved. And uh, yeah, but so, but then properly starting, I think I was about 17 and, and I heard a local band were looking for a singer and I went, and they were called Split Decision and I went up uh, with Jer and Matt and Paul 
and uh, we we they had this band going over for singer and I ended up just fit the fit was right and we we used to meet like you know at the weekends on the Saturday in a proper studio in town and we'd be there right bashing out songs and we were like this is how it starts you know this is yeah and then from there we entered this talent competition um that was running the tivoli that year a battle of the bands we've been gigging around a little bit doing small things you know kind of honing our skills but did this and won it and suddenly it was like oh, we actually can oh, you've arrived yeah it's like we've won it now we're does that mean we're real musicians like now we're you know <laughs> yeah. people. but then it, that's you know what it's like then people will start suddenly there'll be little bits in the magazine about this band up and coming and we thought oh god this is it and um, I remember we were playing the bag. We used to play the bag in a lot. And we absolutely loved it. That was we felt like we were, you know, close were, to the greats yeah. when we were there because so many people had gone through. That was the coolest. Yeah, it in the felt world. it was like the that was the training ground. Oh, it was for the, everybody yeah, like yeah. rock and pot a lot. It was just you know, and it, you know, the dirtier and smellier it was, it was because it was so cool. You know. Yeah. And we did. We did. Um, we were doing a gig there one night, and um. Yeah, as, it was around the time that Christy and uh, Dignan with Aslan had just broken up like they were so huge yeah they released yeah. Um, This Is wasn't it the, no, no there was the album called why can I think of the album cover that they released back then where they had This Is with a single loads of huge singles off it and um, they'd broken up and so one gig in the bag at um, Aslan the lads went out Christy showed up and we were like Aslan are in the crowd and then like the week later we were doing the same gig I think and, and Christy showed up and we are like Christy's in the crowd and we were like oh my god that was a huge big deal and Wow. He asked to come up to the dressing room with his wife, Catherine, um, and they came up to see us in the dressing room. And he said, look, I'm doing my first single. Um, it's called uh, One Man's Dream. And I'm doing that. Would you I'd love you to do backing vocals on it. And I remember being completely shell shocked because then it was like, no, I can't do that. I can do this, but I can't do that. Like I can't go in the studio. I don't know what I'm doing. I was really terrified. And he said, you'll be fine. You know, give me I'll come because they lived in Finglas as well. He was like, I'll come to the house play. And I remember over Christmas, the whole buzz on my street was that Christy Digman arrived, I think, on Christmas Eve to play the track for me in my mum's living room. So I could listen to it on Stevens' day box and day we were going in to record it. And um, I remember my friends going, you can do it, you can do it, come on, we'll do it. So I learned it, went in. It was my first time in the studio. It was amazing. Everyone was so lovely. It was great. And that was kind of, you know, I'm still doing split decisions. But that was kind of, I guess, for me, that was how I ended up getting from just singing and loving singing, growing up in school and then getting into a band and then, you know, to become like a recording yeah artist. to actually yeah. be you know in a recording studio and yeah and then from there I ended up going on the road with Christy did loads of gigs with them um, did like seven bands on the up with them did you know out of that I met something happens did a track with them you know so loads of things suddenly branched and that, out was that not a, a short space of time I was over I'm trying to think when uh, when I can't remember when we won the the um, the, con the band competition but yeah Chris that would have all been around like 89 I think around yeah up to early 90s like late 80s early 90s it was all in that in that time and did you think that you were gonna okay okay I'll, I'll get a solo thing I'm gonna be a I'm gonna Which is funny do the thing. pop thing because it, like there wasn't a lot of pop music coming yeah. out of Dublin at that time yeah no there wasn't no there wasn't at all and in fact when people you know when people started I remember when the commitments was they were like for example auditioning yes. for the commitments and I managed to get down to the last three for the part that Angelina got you know and I, of course I wasn't aware at that point really that I was down to the last three then I found out and then the press were calling me saying will you can we you know but I'd not really done a lot of press or anything I didn't have a manager it was not, I was just me you know going yeah, to yeah. things and with my friends kind of thing and and uh, yeah I I so when the when the press were writing things they were like this girl's going to be the next Madonna and the net you know and I was like is that true? Is that actually what's going on? Like, I, I, <laughs> is this the way it happens? I, I was kind of just going along. This, I'm just, yeah. this is great fun. But I, wasn't, yeah. I didn't have a plan, if that makes sense. I wasn't going, right, I need to get to know that person. Like, I didn't have, that was the thing for me. It was just, I just loved singing. Because it was probably really networking in Dublin. Yeah. yeah. Well, love, you know, it's like Dublin's such a small place. And if you get in with a load of people, and, there are, and, and for the most part, everyone's super nice and wants to help out. And if they like what you do and they like your vibe, well, then they'll get you to do stuff. You know, yeah. it's quite like that, you know. So I, was, I guess I was lucky especially like you say there wasn't a lot of like pop young pop singers out there and there's a few came through kind of after us and around the same time but then there wasn't so it was a bit of a novelty and then people yeah, you know, yeah. and you know like I said when I did when I got the pleasure doing that track with Kill the Roses with Something Happens they just wanted a girl's voice on this track and a certain type of voice and then suddenly it was like well who's there and I was there so yeah, you know it's yeah. all about timing as well sometimes and yeah. you know being in the right place at the right time you know I, I fully believe like as, an, as a grown up person now that it's not always about the most talent you've got but it's a lot of the time it's about the just being in the right place at the right time and and saying yes at the time when you need to say yes you know and then that's it exactly yeah yeah so when did you get your deal when, when, you I got my deal yeah assigned to Warners that, that even came later I did I'd done a track with them um, with Bill Bill Whedon had approached me as well and asked me to do this track he said he'd heard I'd written some stuff and he took this track and 
with the Philharmonic Orchestra and, and did this he wrote the score for it for like this orchestrated piece wow. I was like oh my god and then I did this show that was put out, I think it was done for Channel 4 it was called An Eye on the Music and so I did this one track um, and got in, and sang it and, and like I said I was just blown away to do it but I didn't have any management or anything so I didn't kind of know what to do with it afterwards yeah, I didn't go to, yeah, right no I need to get this there I wasn't yeah. I had no clue about any of that I was oh, so yeah. naive and it was actually Dermot McAvoy and Alan Maloney. Alan Maloney, uh, your film director, he was doing like, he was really hot doing so much stuff at the time, up and coming. And Dermot um, was really renowned in the business. You know, he'd, he'd like, was always involved with different acts and stuff. And they approached me and said, look, are you looking for management? We'd like, and so I, with them, we kind of, Katie said, right, what, you know, and I was like, well, I do write, but I think I need to write with someone or I'd love someone to write some songs for me as well. I'm very honest about, you know, my skills. If we're going to do it, we got to do it right. And they hooked me up with Derek Herbert, who was with Les Enfants, who I thought was the bee's knees. I mean, he's amazing performer, amazing singer and a phenomenal writer. So I, I was like, you know, working with him straight off, which is brilliant. And he had some songs that he'd written that were perfect for me. And we kind of did a little bit of work together as well. But um, so from that, Dermot said, we did this like demo, like a few songs. And then Dermot said, right, we're ready. Let's. And Alan was going, well, let's do a little video for one of them. And we had this track um, uh, called Shame of My Desire, which no one ever got to see, which I still love. Oh, and wow. uh, a, slow, a slow, big ballad number. And what we did was, I, sometimes I think the fun stuff in the lead up to it was better than what happened after, <laughs> you know. But we, um, yes, yeah, so we did this. We did a video. He approached Warner, we approached Warner's with these tracks. They loved them. They said, yeah, let's hear some more. And then... We um we we went and shot this video, um in this amazing place the Clannad had up in the up in the mountains amazing and it was very ethereal and yeah it was just a great team working on it but and again the reason that this all sticks in my head is one of my favourite moments for me personally might not mean anything to anybody else but when you know when you're singing when you're recording a video and you're singing along to the track playing and there was one bit at the very end very end of this really long day and they wanted to just get me. You know, just me on camera singing to like headshot to camera the whole song so I could intersperse it where they needed. Okay. And so I'm I was singing along to the track and I, I know that in that moment on that day I sang that track better than I've ever sung it before or after. Something in that moment I was just really aware it's channeling my Sinead O'Connor there's nothing completely. The inner Sinead yeah, <laughs> yeah, something must have been but I just there was a moment there and I remember afterwards Seamus DC saying to me who was recording, you know, he was there on the day, cameraman, and he said that was amazing. And from coming from him, that was like huge. But I, I, I remember stopping and the whole room was really silent and everybody's like, what just happened there? And we're like, we hope that translated onto camera, whatever yeah. happened in that moment. And um, yeah, and then Warner saw that and they loved it. And that, that I th there would have been plans to release that. And, um, and then, yeah, and then I got my deal. That was 1994. Wow. So I signed my deal then. And at that point it was like, you know, Boyzone were kind of, they were with Polygram. They kind of signed around the same time and Polygram had, you know, were going to, had plans ready for an album and everything with them. With me, because the boy bands were always rocking it and always cutting through, girls were only kind of coming yeah, right through. Yeah, I think it was really harder for Yeah, girls. so they were kind of like, so they were like, we really believe in you and we think you're great and, you know, we're going to do it by, so it was kind of like singles leading up to the album. So um, so I did Crawl, which was, which I loved that song. That's Derek still such a great oh, song. It's you know such what? a great song. Have you ever heard, I've, I've heard Derek Herbert who wrote it, I've heard him do versions of it in pubs with like a guitar rocking out over the years that are phenomenal. Such a great, oh, wow. yeah, amazing. Um, I, there must be some on YouTube, I must get a look at them actually, but he was, he's so great. It was just such a, such a brilliant, such a brilliant tune and it had this energy and it had this kind of attitude. Yeah, and it was, it was really is, different. Yeah, it this, was really this different. is before like All Saints or anything, they weren't yeah. out then. And if you look at what, what road they went and, and, and I was wearing all that camouflage, so I had this vision that I wanted to, and I made all my own stage clothes. I said to them, way back then this before like you know destiny's child you know did all that i wanted to make all my own stuff i made all my yeah, top, yeah. Made everything leather i made everything made all these beaded so i just made it so i want to be able to have eventually branch out into because i made clothes as well you know yeah, yeah. I, I, I did that for years so i just loved that so for me it was like i can see this all tying together you know and, and i was just thinking i'll do my bit i'll do the single i'll do as best i can i'll look good on stage if i can i'll make all the gear i'll do all that and then someone's got to you know drive the vehicle someone's got yeah, to get exactly. where we need to go okay, yeah. so we okay, need a management get you, got, yeah. you know let's do that and everyone will do their bit and um i yeah and that was such an exciting time like yeah it was amazing it was just because crawl was a big irish hit wasn't yeah it? I was, mean, it, it was, was like number four yeah it was number four yeah, yeah. And, and i i and suddenly it was like wow now I've I've got an opportunity here and I've got it and also I've got I felt like I I'm respond I need to be responsible for you know everyone's relying on me here I've got to come up with the goods and yeah, do it yeah yeah that's a lot of pressure actually yeah isn't it? I there were times there I will be very honest because like like I said I 
sometimes used to feel, and I don't know whether I, I know there's some artists who are super competent, but I, but I also know there's a lot who are a little bit like second guess themselves. And I used to always have this little thing like I'm going to get found out one day that I'm a bit of a fraud and it's actually oh, not. Oh yeah. You know you do that. Completely. You would do it in yours. Oh it's kind of like how what am I doing? Because how yeah. am I any different than that person? That so. Because you're standing in the wings. You're like this is the one. Yeah. This is the one now where yeah. they'll all just yeah, see and it's and then the game over the and they'll all go, oh, your one, she was awful, or he was terrible. No, he wasn't even funny. Yeah. You know, but exactly. Like, and yeah. you just and then that's and you just keep thinking that's what it'll all come down to is that moment. So for me then, it was like, right, so panic was set a bit, you know, but um, no, but I still loved it. And I loved, like we did, I remember doing, again, I must have had this thing about mics breaking down and stuff all the time because I remember doing, my, I don't know if it was the beat on the screen, it was Cork Rocks, we're doing Cork Rocks. Okay. And when we did, this is when I was releasing Crawl and stuff, but when we did like the beat in the street and all these fabulous gigs, which the energy used to be amazing with all the DJs. They were like road shows and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, they were so yeah. great. And um, but you, for the most part, they'd try. If there was a lot of artists, you couldn't always. If you're doing your two or three songs you were doing, you couldn't always. You know, they'd have the track playing with vocals and stuff there. But I was always like, I want a live mic on. I need to sing live. I, can't, I have to yeah, sing live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have to. I can't. It doesn't work for me if I don't do. Yeah, it. yeah. I'm happy if you want to play dead. a track with a vocal on it, but I am singing live over it. That's yeah. You know, and I won't mention any names, but person is. But there was this person who was looking after all the mics and he used to. I get. I get the wink. knowing that yours be on. You know. Oh right, so okay, I'd, yeah, you yeah. know, so even if others were being told, you know, whatever, but I, so I knew I always had a live mic, and um, because when you look back at the stuff, it's important when you're being able to talk, and then you're jumping right in with a vocal, people can tell it's you singing, and you do. Oh it. yeah, completely. But we we're doing Cork Rocks, and I remember there was at, like that was probably one of the biggest crowd I played to at that point. It was huge, and I was looking down the back, and I could see down the black all the real, you know, cool guys and the bikers and whatever that were looking at me, going, "Well, she's rubbish," like you know, this young <laughs> starlet thing on the stage, bopping around like and dressed to whatever, and two dancers and. And um, and I knew they were there enjoying their day, but it wasn't really about me. And anyway, the mic, something happened with the track and then it all went down. And then I did the same. I thought, right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sing with this microphone because I'm here now. I'm not getting off stage because this is my 15 minutes. Do you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. In my head, I was going, no, no, I've got to do it. But it wasn't even about like, I'll show them. It was more about, I need to prove to myself. I need, I need them to see yeah, that I'm yeah. actually the real deal. I can do it. And, uh, and then I did this, we did this, you know, did the number and whatever. And the reaction from the crowd was amazing. And I remember, you know, thinking oh, that's all they really want. They want to know that you're, you're yeah, up there doing yeah, it. that you can do it, and also you're that you're, they can see your commitment to it. If you're yeah. like. But well, like, so yeah, I, I have a lot of, I think someone was pulling the plug on me, not <laughs> telling me to get off. I think you just like, realised that you've been sabotaged yeah. for quite some time. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but it's not funny, they're always the things I remember. And I think it's because, you know, they're, they're, they're the, the times. Yeah, but also they're the ones for me that I kind of felt really proud of myself. In that yeah. moment, I thought I did it. If I never did it again, I did that moment. You, you know, did that, yeah. yeah. so, but yeah, that's how I was signed to Warners then, did released Crawl. Then from there we did, the next single was... Um, super Love Experience. Yeah, this, this is... I oh my God, yeah. a Super Love Experience, I have to say, I love... Because I read somewhere about it or something that it wasn't originally going to be the second single or... Yeah, it, was, were, it wasn't, I think, yeah, I, I, I think we were pushing to do about... We we're pushing to do ballads. I really felt that the big ballad number was next for me. That's really what I wanted to do. And I guess Cushay, my desire, even if that wasn't the track, had been so, you know, instrumental in the whole getting the deal and stuff. I felt like that's that's what you love. So yeah. if you loved it, you got re we gotta recognise that that's what we need to show people. Let's show them I'm a singer, first and foremost, I can yeah. do it. And then we can do umpteen amounts of those like pop tracks you know that's no bother but we've done it we've done a really killer first track and then we need to do you know because i would worked on that that first track again with Crawl going, going back to that when we when we recorded that and uh, Tony McGuinness Maslan had come in again he played bass and I remember being in the recording studio when they were playing all the kind of track all the all the uh, people who were there that day listening to it raw with just a guide vocal of mine of and everyone going this is going to be a great track and Bobby Boughton who'd worked with Lisa Stansfield he was in he was producing it and it was so you know Coming from that, I thought that's a killer first single. But now yeah. let's do a ballad. But I think they, you know, because you know when you're when you're in that position, you know, Warners are holding all the cards essentially. You, you know, I'm not in a strong enough position to go. I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. You know, you get okay, to that yeah. at a later stage. Yeah. So it was kind of well, they really want you to do this. They'd really like you to do another dance. You know, more dance. You head down that market. That seems to be where it's kind of going a bit. And um, so yeah, so we I and mean, we I, I was constantly recording tracks with 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 um. Derek, we were in Derek Harbour, we were constantly in studio doing, trying to do more new stuff and whatever. So, yeah, so anyway, that's how, yeah, Super Love wasn't meant to be the second single. And and then, then yeah, then we went and did it. And Alan Maloney, who, again, was the management with Dermot, he, they shot the video for it and stuff. And Oh, there's yeah. a video for it? I've yeah. never seen the video. Yeah, have you not? Yeah, it's never like I'm in video. this cow print skirt and they like long black hair and, yeah. 
God, I think about my hair change for love days. But um, yeah, and then yeah, the, it's uh, it's quite a fun thing. It's really just me. It's, it's quite a good, fun. like it's a, it is a great song, like Super Love Experience, and there's no there's no spaces between Super Love Experience. I think Super Love Experience is the first hashtag yeah. that ever existed. Is it? <laughs> well, I think it must be. <laughs> it must be. Like yeah. it's the first time. Like at yeah. some point there was a conversation. There Let's you go. not put spaces. I'm, I'm between claim super, that it is the yeah. first hashtag. Let's just decide here now. Hashtag. That is it. That's it. Um, so you you did that, and then it like that actually sounds. It has kind of a I. Think that should have been big in Japan, like Super Love Experience. Yeah, it's but got I, a real... yeah, and it's got. And if you look at the video, get a look at the video. But it, it would go down a bomb there because it was like very, you know, very strong colors and all boxes appearing on the screen and kind of segmented pieces. That totally, what they like it was. It was fit for purpose. Let's say it was like the track. It was a proper yeah. pop track. And um, yeah, and I guess because we were doing all these gigs, and we were going to kind of you know do. Uh, all these road shows and stuff as well promoting it it was like well let's you know keep it up keep it up for the audience okay, keep yeah. it you know big but yeah um yeah it should have been but you know there was no ever talk back then it was never really i don't know whether at that point it was like let's get to when the album's coming out and then we'll see about you know where other territories that we take it to but yeah. they were really because i'd because i'd like obviously signed my deal in, in well, i signed it to the uk but i was based in ireland but i remember being with like rob dickens and warner's the, you know the main oh, man yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. in his office in warner's before the first tracks even come out and he was going do you know i've had like Cher in that seat i've had like seal and he was listening to all oh, these God. people and he was going you're going to be a big star and i was like am i i can be a really yeah i'm going to be a really big star you Brilliant. know but he gives the same type of talk to everybody who came through the door <laughs> yeah. but it was you know so I was like, well, they've got a plan. I have to trust that they know what they're doing. I'll so you do just my trust bit. them, yeah. Like, I don't think, you know, even though I would have liked to have had a, you know, a big ballot number afterwards, I don't think it was, um, there was any, like, real anger at it. It was kind of like, we'll get to that. We'll just do this. And plus, I love yeah. Super Love. It's not like I didn't like the yeah, song. Yeah, it's great I loved it. I love it, yeah. You know, so it was great. It was a great tune. So when you, after you did Super Love then, you, you took, there was a bit of time out after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you did the You Might Need Somebody. Yeah. So what, what what went on in between? Did you do it? Did you record the album? No, I never got to record the album. All right, so okay. I never did an album. I was doing loads of tracks. We did loads and loads, like some like some great songs that I probably saw myself a little bit different. You sometimes see some artists and they come out and they burst out in this bubble and they're all popped even and stuff and then they kind of start to channel something a little bit different. Yeah. And I think I always wanted to be, I love the up-tempo but I always wanted to be more of a singer-singer. I think so for me, we were okay, writing yeah. stuff that we were thinking, you know, if, when we, if and when we make it big, then we'll be able to kind of, you know, diverge a little bit more this way. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I did, I'm trying to think of all the stuff that I did in between. I mean, I was obviously, I was modeling as well at the same time. Yeah, so I yeah. was modeling hand in hand. When, when I was working like years ago and I was gigging with Christy and, and doing all those and seven bands on the up and all that, when Michael Mortel, a fashion designer, saw me doing a gig in um, the National Stadium where Christy was doing, I was, I was singing with him on the highest flares and loads of brilliant acts were doing it. And Michael Mortel was there and he went to this model agency and said, um, you gotta, you gotta see this girl. You gotta call her. You know, get her number. Yeah, and yeah. I got a call in the insurance. I was working for Potential Life Insurance. Oh really? Like 18, I worked for Viva. Did you? There you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> and uh, all the best people starting the insurance company. Yes, they do. What a change! But yeah, I used to be, I used to be in like at my desk doing what I'm doing every day. Then like leaving and going, I'm off down to Kerry. We're doing, you know, whatever. With, on yeah, the back of the van oh God, with the lads on gigs, and coming back at all hours and getting up with one eye shut the next day, going, you know, trying to do folks new job. But you know, when when you're 18, 19, you can do that. No, oh, you totally can. Yeah, it's like, and you're like, I'm totally doing. It, you know? Yeah. Then all of a sudden you're thirty. You're like, I'm yeah, gonna yeah. Die. Like, I am. <laughs> yeah, I need a week. Yeah. yeah. But um. But yeah. So he. So they called me in work and said, "Will you come and see us?" And I was like, "What is this?" That was completely sideswiped me. I never really thought about modelling really. And so, so they came in. I um. I went to see them rather when they rang me and they were like, look, we think you could work well, but we can't, like, as in that industry, we can't promise who's going to like you and who won't, whether you'll work or not, but we'd like to sign you on the books. Went home, said to my mum and dad, this opportunity's come. And I was already on the road doing stuff and I said, um, you know, this is a chance for me to kind of run both careers side by side. Can't really keep doing what I'm doing in the insurance company and then trying to be a pop star, you know, or... Yeah, and yeah. this is before I got my Warner's deal, like, this is the early stages. And my dad and my mum had a chat and they said, look, if you want to throw your job in if you want to if that's what you want to pack it in and you want to give this a shot my dad said I don't want you to ever get to 40 and think you could have had a different life and I always think oh my god what an amazing man because we didn't that have a lot that's we didn't a have a lot and there was a chance yeah. that I'd like you know when you when you've got a really good job and you're that young and your parents just want you to do well you know yeah they just want you yeah buy you know what I mean they were like thinking you're on that great we've done good by it and then you're like I don't want to do that anymore it's a little bit so they were fantastic oh that's great so that meant that my modeling career ran side by side with singing, but the only, actually it was a bit problematic sometimes when I signed to Warner's because 
they have a bigger say in what you do outside of that. So I remember like I was going to castings and I was getting like beer commercials, which were really big payers, oh, you know, yeah. if you get like a bit. And then I, Warner's wouldn't, didn't want me to do it because they wouldn't want me to be, uh. you know, affiliated with not affiliated yeah. with certain but they'd have to be thinking about down the road who you might be if you you know oh, so God, i was like I, I had that happen with oh. um, i did a series with pj gallagher where we played we played conjoined twins classy Lovely. but um and the morning after the first episode aired we got offered this uh what was it it was like an ad for i can't remember what it was for but anyway it was phenomenal amount of money yeah. like it was eye-watering buy yourself a brand new car yeah each yeah. <laughs> and we it was a one-hour photo shoot and we we're like yeah let's do it and then it was uh, the rt pulled the plug they're like no no you can't do it <laughs> I know, it's awful it's like oh my god yeah like and i think for that series i probably made the average like i made what you would earn in an insurance company in a month yeah yeah <laughs> that's and you what think, i made for that series yeah and then, and you're, you're like, you know, you think, and you have to just keep saying, no, well, I've di- well, that was my, this is my block though. This is my foundation. I'm doing I know, this because yeah, of that, but yeah. I really want that new car. I really, yeah, that's what I really want. <laughs> Thank you very much. And by the way, when I get really big and famous, you owe me a new car. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> you were modeling in between singles two and three. Yeah. Uh, Mike Mills, he brought you to, from Orient. Yeah. yeah. He brought you to the head of Warner's. Didn't he, or, did, or didn't he like speak up for you or something? No, do you know, he was, um, I met I met R.E.M. when there was, just before I released Crawl, there was the Irma Awards were on. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, actually, I forgot about this. This is great. Yeah, uh, The Irma story. Awards were on and, uh, yeah, and Mike Mills, R.E.M. were there and, and AHA were there and stuff and everything. Oh. And it was just amazing. And um, people were talking about me, but I'd not done anything yet. So, you know, there was like awards oh, right, saying okay. we've got this girl or whatever. So I'd not released anything. So, but I went along. And of course, my first one of those to ever be, I didn't know what to expect, you know, got along. It was a great night meeting all these amazing people. And then Mike Mills, because he, you know, obviously R.E.M. are phenomenally big, Amazing, but, yeah. um, And they were signed to the same record label, but they were staying, they were living in Luttrellstown Castle at the time. No way. They were living in Dublin. I think they were recording over here. So they were living there and they had this big night and like therapy were there and I was invited. So a handful of people invited to this big party at their place. In Luttrellstown. Yeah. So yeah, I got to meet him a bit. And at that point, I think there was talk that he would have wanted to do some writing and some work with us, but just never panned out to get to the end stage with that. But I also did some work with them. Um, oh my God, where's the, where's the name? Just suddenly gone for me, the Scottish band. Texas? No, 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 no. <gasps> what is it? What, what is wrong with my brain today? Um, <laughs> come back to me in a minute. Yeah, I got to do this amazing track with this huge Scottish band as well, uh, where uh, the lead singer, um, oh my God, that's terrible. It's just gone from my head. When when you when you hear who they are, you go right. Like from years yeah, ago, yeah, they're really wow. good. But he came and I ended, I went into studio. He he heard a track that I did and he loved it. One of my tracks and he brought. He wanted to go into studio and he wanted to produce it in studio. Oh, wow. so we were like, yes, please. Like Hell, and my yeah. were like, whatever you want to do, we're doing. Get in. Yeah. I went in and did it. And um, yeah, so I did. I met met some amazing people that you know that kind of liked what I was doing and I guess were. Really you on know. board with it. Yeah, and and and, and that that for me was great because you you you, you want you want you want the record company to see that you know people who are super established are going well actually she's got something that I want to get involved with and that was huge for me you know I, yeah. you still go through that thing where you're thinking oh my god now they're going to find also, out also you're like I, I think as well you're when those people get involved like when labels or management or agents get involved you're, there is this element of always trying to prove yourself I think yeah. sometimes you know when someone from like my agency's in. Like they're in the audience, like, oh God, yeah. I hope this is good. <laughs> and you know, I bet, I, get, I bet you find this as well, because obviously when you're on stage, you're on your own. Like, it's just you yeah, and, and yeah. that's it, me, myself and I. And I guess before then, I don't, music for me had always been, like when I did stuff in school, it was always with other people and friends. And when I had, when we did, you know, um, uh, Split Decision, and we, but we were all sharing in the limelight, even though I was the lead front and centre, yeah, you know, yeah. you're all kind of sharing in the limelight. Everyone's got their bits There's to a do. Gang. Yeah, and I used to find that, that that didn't always sit well with me. On stage, I could do anything and be like, if you got me on stage, that's why when, eventually when we had boogie nights and stuff, I just loved it because I could just go up there and do it. So just give me that mic yeah. and I'll be, we'll have a, we're going to have a great time. Yeah, you know? yeah. But sometimes around, but other times around, I used to feel quite anxious or quite you know like my self-belief wouldn't have been what I should have been you know now I yeah. look back and I think you were really good actually really good you know it's it, is that an Irish thing I, I, think I, that, I think that's an Irish I, I think, think it's a bit something. I, I do think it's a bit I mean I remember years ago hearing my mum when I'd be doing these local talent competitions in their local school and, and winning them and people would be going oh my god you're amazing mum would say don't be giving her a big head now 
Yeah, it is a real thing. And, yeah. But she didn't mean anything bad. But then she'd say later on to, you know, she'd say later on to, I'd hear her say, oh, she did really well. I was really proud of her. But yeah, in that yeah. moment, all I would have heard is, I don't give her, and I'd be thinking, oh, I can't say that. It can't be. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you do, you take that in. I think you what know? happens with parents is they talk about it to other people. They never talk about it in front yeah, of you. Yeah. Because I've, I've heard that. Um, I remember somebody saying to me at my dad's retirement party, like, oh my God, all he talks about is his family. Oh, and you're like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> what? No, so are you talking about my dad? That's yeah, not, no. Surely not. So then you did, you did You Might Need Somebody. Yeah. Which, that was three, that was two years later, was it? Yeah, I think it was about that. Yeah, God, I forget about the time that went on in between. Yeah, that would have been And that was, that. what, that was just like a, okay, uh, Basically, basically, we were, basically, being very honest, I was told we needed to do a cover. They wanted, for whatever reason, there was loads, and they were like, well, they thought, well, look, we need to break you through. Like they wanted to break okay. through in the UK, which I was all for. So it was like, let's do, you know, let's do a cover. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was that they didn't trust any of the tracks we'd got or whatever, but I just thought that this this song was a winner. Let's get a song that's a win. Yeah. Exactly. It's all of that. So people will love it. An old generation will love it. And the newer generation that won't have it will hear, hear it. And, you know, so let's do it. And, you know, and it did work just for somebody else. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we did this. And, God, and we it was, have to talk it was, about that. I know we do. It was a bit of a put all your eggs in one basket. And I didn't mind. None of us minded because we thought we picked the right song. I knew we picked and the right song. And it was great. And you did a video. I was, I was, was given a list really as cool. I went away. And I said, this is the song I really want to do. I love it. You know, let me let's do this. So you released it, and it, it did well, didn't it? Yeah, it did really yeah. well. Well, I mean, we released it over here first, and then, uh, and yeah, and then I remember sitting on a Sunday morning. What was that TV show? It used to be on our the there was a pop show that showed all yeah. of its videos on a Sunday morning, was it? And uh, I remember being at home, and everybody was ringing, going, "Your videos coming on your video." And I remember watching it for the first time that on on watching um because we didn't do a video for Crawl. Yeah, there was no we never video. did a video yeah, for yeah. Crawl. And Super Love, we did a video for, and yeah, that came out, but then because things died down so we did this anyway with um uh you might need somebody and i remember i loved the video i'd actually been i uh, uh hermione you know hennessy her dad was christy hennessy. oh yeah yeah she was produced it and i'd stayed in her house in london the night before with her and her oh, hubby wow. stayed there and went and did it so there was a lovely her dad had produced no she did she oh, was singing she, with her dad had... yeah oh, wow. so she produced it and oh, wow. um so she so i stayed with her and we'd gone and shot this lovely video in london and so it was all like this yeah it was coming out and it was we were like god this is really lovely i was getting loads of fantastic messages from people ringing me up and going oh it's brilliant and you know um and yeah well done and loved it and the feedback was fantastic and then i got this bombshell dropped that because obviously warren is being my label yeah. but warren is in the uk had signed this girl called shola ama and I think yeah. she was doing, I think the buzz around this time was, I think she was doing some stuff with Wyclef from the Fugees, who were huge at the time. The Fugees were really big. Okay. And she was doing some work with him. So it was kind of like, you know. So, you're, so you were, this, the single was released. It was released in the UK. Yeah. No, it wasn't released in oh, the UK. It was, it was in Ireland. Yeah. And then next thing, she released her single in the UK. And then like, the we were told that, well, we were told that uh, you can't release it here. There's a, we've got an artist here who's releasing it. And it was a big And it was hit. like, but all, all along we were going, but hang on a minute. If you knew we were recording this track, someone could have just said we could have did a different track if you really wanted yeah, to do a yeah. cover. You know, if this if you knew this is what you were going with. And then I remember when her video and stuff came out and it was like the very same storyboard, you know, in this flat yeah, and everything. It's very similar. Yeah, and you know, don't get me wrong, I think she did a fantastic job. And yeah, then she she, 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 did a she, good she job, got nominated for a Brit Award that year and I was thinking, Well, hey, you know, she did well, like but Oh, she did well with your idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was I was I was getting all these messages from friends of mine, because I've had loads of friends who worked as roadies and big, you know, on tours in America. They worked with huge bands and I was getting all these messages getting going, I, I've heard your track on the radio because they wouldn't have heard my version, they were away. And I was going, Yeah, not my track. And that was really oh, that's, that's so horrific. destroying. That was and then basically Warner said to me, Well, we put all our eggs in one basket with that. We did, you know. That was it. We we're not we're not going to do an album now. And I was like, "That's awful." It was just that's a really awful. Yeah, thing. it was terrible. I think particularly when that that there's there's an admin thing going on there. Mm. That's somebody. That's just somebody. Didn't well, it's talk like I was like, there's I can sing anything. Didn't happen. You know, I can sing anything you want to throw at me. So just you know, throw you know, if, if it really was, if that song was out of bounds, should never been on the list. You know, or yeah. we could have you let us go away and pick all these songs ourselves and come to you and say what about one of the you know whatever it might be yeah but it was all kind of like we need to get another single out now and then I think we think it should be a cover and blah 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 and you know and yeah and it was just because for me if that was the first time I kind of felt like actually this is not really about me this time it's not that I wasn't any good or it's not that yeah you know all those times that I worried that oh you know you're having a great time and you go oh somebody get offended one day that I actually can't sing <laughs> you know even though you know, know you can yeah. but you second guess yeah, that this time it, it wasn't yeah. about that this time was like this is out of my control 
Nothing yeah, I've done. There's nothing you've done. Nothing I've done no. has led to this moment. So that no, was, you're, that I mean, was you the hardest. No, I mean, you recorded a song that was a hit. That yeah, was, yeah. I, thought I recorded a song that was a hit and, and I did a great video that was fantastic. Yeah. I did all of that and we were ready to go and then I couldn't get myself it. There was nothing that I'd personally done or anybody in the team had done. You know what I mean? It was like we all did our job, got to that and then it was gone. Gone. And... Uh, I remember yeah. seeing that. I remember. I do remember the moment that I saw the Shola Ama video. Yeah. And I'd seen your video. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was on one of those. I think it was Live and Kicking or one of those shows. Yeah, it, it would have been. That yeah. That was the new thing. I was like, what? Yeah. And I didn't think I there's something there's something about the. I didn't think it was. As, I didn't like the, her version as much. Do you know the, because I, Do you know the funny thing yours. is you still hear it a lot. Like if I'm listening to Magic at home or something, you know, or in the car if there's whatever you you still hear her that song a lot being played. Yeah. Even today, and it's that version, not the Randy Crawford version. So I hear that a lot, and every time it comes on, it does tug on my heart, and I do go back and I go, <sighs> God. But, but then, story. but then the funny thing is, like after that. Obviously, when I knew I was being dropped, but the Heineken Hot Press Award, they've just been nominated for Heineken Hot Press Award. And that was going to be on up in Belfast. And um, and Warners were like totally cool about it, in fairness. They were great. You know, I still was friends with everybody afterwards from there. Like, I've made lots of good, yeah, really yeah. nice people there. And, um, and they were like, look, we'll still send you up. Like, you still get your cut, you whatever. And I went with a friend and we went up. And, uh, and I was still there, but I felt, I remember feeling, it was such a great night, but I remember feeling terrible the whole time. Because even though I was there and I thought, I look the part and I'm here and people have heard my stuff and they like it. I just felt like I failed though. It's not happened, you know? I know. And no one had really prepared. I, I felt like I'm in this room and I've been nominated for an award. Now what I didn't see and I only found it afterwards, I've been, th I'm thinking I'm nominated for this award, but people are probably going, well, well you know, and then, and then I was thinking, are people thinking, why am I here? But I don't know why I was thinking, I think I was just in a bad place, like right at of that course. moment, I was well, feeling I mean... a bit vulnerable and I was feeling a little bit like, oh, I didn't all pan out the way I'd liked. But, but that night, loads of people, loads of big managers who came to me with their cards and said, you know, if you're looking for another manager, give me a call and gave me a card, and, you know, and I kind of collected them all and spoke to a few people, you know, I didn't really network, network, but I did speak to people and get, yeah, you know, yeah. um, who kind of came to me to chat and, and it was a fantastic night and everything about, and then I went home, but I was kind of nurturing my wounds a little bit. Yeah, of course. And I saw all these great things that people had said to me, like if I'd, if I'd had a clearer head, I would have went, well, right, so hold, hang on a second, warnings have dropped me, but these guys think I'm great and there's other record companies out there. Yeah. You know, and I never really looked at it in that way. Like, you don't need to stay with one record company for life. You can go, there's other things. You can reinvent yourself, yeah. all that stuff. I, ha I kind of wasn't thinking in that zone then. So I parked all these cards and I never rang anyone or did anything. Oh, no. So then I go, well, now it is your own fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the thing about yeah. it is, though, I think with that sort of stuff, you there's an element of being mortified. Yeah, that oh, I think, totally. And, that, and I think that that is, that's a real Irish like thing. Like egg in your face, happens, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. And I don't think we recover. We don't as very well, quickly because I think our, there's a bit of cynicism in mm. Ireland. Yeah, I love I love Ireland because they back you up when you need backing up, but they'll also put you in your place when you need putting in your place, and then they'll have a little laugh at your expense when it's not yeah, going so well. Yeah, something that's a not what you yeah, need. There was nothing like in the press or anything like that. It was more that. I think it's for me. It was always around the peers, the people that you worked with, the people that you yeah, wanted to respect you. The, you know, the the seriously good guitarists and drummers and stuff that you were hoping to work with. And you, you what, you know, it was more those. And I worked with loads of people later on doing other stuff, like when I did the Voice Within and stuff a few years later. And and there was people down back going, that was mental. Why did why were you not a superstar? And I'm going, yeah. oh, it's lovely to hear that, even if it didn't happen. Yeah, of course. And you Actually, were great on the Voice Within. Yeah, but yeah, I, that that was a really good fun thing to do. Yeah, I really loved that. Yeah, yeah. I love the song Ideal World. Yeah, there was ideal world I did blue I did um, a living prayer because my other half used to joke and go are you singing that living on a prayer today is that the one yeah, yeah. I'm not singing living on a prayer yeah. it's very different from that but uh, but yeah that was really and again a great bunch of people on it and yeah and the, you there was Eurovision as well you almost did Eurovision yeah I got I got asked it's funny I've been asked to me that seems like that, that should have been a no brainer people had asked me years before no actually this is the truth. Nobody came to me and said, will you do Eurovision? But everybody had said to me for years, you, you, you need to be doing Eurovision. Why aren't you not doing Eurovision? Yeah. And I know for a fact that some people close to other people, had, you know, close to the people in the know had said, you need to talk to Una Gibney about doing it. For whatever reason, I was doing, like when I lost my record at Warner's, one thing I thought was I still want to sing and I'd gotten, I ended up, which I'll tell you in a second, getting in with Boogie Nights and doing all that with my band. Yeah, Boogie Nights. Yeah. So, so I was doing all that. And so I still had a profile like in Ireland then doing, you know, lots of, uh, lots of gigs, lots of events. 
events and stuff and um, and obviously still modeling and stuff so pe people that I knew were going I'm, I want to I speak to so-and-so in RT or who's the person this year is because you should be doing it you know yeah. you really should be doing it and I never said no I was always like well God Eurovision would be great to do and if you know if someone asked me it's kind of I'll deal with it if someone ever came and asked me no one ever directly ever came and asked me and then this one year I moved over to the UK and uh, I got I got suddenly I got calls from a load of people from no one ever coming to me suddenly it was like someone thought this is my year to do it oh wow you know Bill Hughes called me and asked me and Julian called me Julian Benson called me and asked me to do it and Julian called me first and said he had this track would I come in and listen to it I knew Julian from working with him from year from years um, at diff various different things you know Julian's always like yeah. right in the thick of everything you know and I went to the studio with Julian and um, had to listen to this track and they had a girl singing on the demo of it and they said look we don't know whether we're going to do it with a guy or a girl or just a girl whatever so anyway i just went in and did it that day blasted it out they thought it was fantastic and they were talking about this guy david i hadn't had the pleasure of meeting david at that point and said we're going to bring david Channing in he's this huge guy like he does all these amazing like he done they miss and he's like oh, wow. phenomenal you know singer and and very accomplished you know artist and an actor and so um they were thinking of bringing him in as well and he was going to come over the following week and then then i got a call from bill and I got, I was a bit like, I'm not saying yeah, I was going to do this. And I got a call from Bill saying, would I do his track? And I was like, well, look, do you want, do you, do you want to send me the track to have a listen? And I got, I got the track and I, and I listened to it and I thought it was a brilliant song as well. I was going, God, this is such a conundrum. What am I going to do here? Like it's, yeah, yeah. you know, it was such, also at the point, completely on a separate issue. I was just about to start IVF. So I've been preparing for all this okay. and it's quite a, you know, to get your head into that headspace yeah, to do it. And I kind of thought, oh God, I can't, this is the wrong time for me. Something's telling me this is not, I'm not going to do it now. And I so I contacted both of them and I said, look, and I told both that they both approached me. So they both knew and I told both both hearts, both songs. But, you know, I said, look, um, I'm really honoured that you've asked me to do it. And but I just need to keep my head in this right now. I've kind of made this life choice to do this. And I think this is my time to do this. And I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Of so anyway, eventually I had a chat with them. They were going, look, everyone's asked you for years. Why don't you just do it? Like, yeah, yeah. if you get through, great, we can do it from there. And if you don't, you know, it's not the end of the world. And I was like, before I could do anything. Julian said, right, you're doing it. And then he rang Bill. So Julian was doing it with me. And I was like, oh, no, that's not the way I really wanted to deal with it, you know. But yeah, they're, bo yeah. they're both fine with it afterwards and stuff like as in. But I would have liked to have, you know, kind of gone myself and said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but anyway, so we said we do it. And then David came and did one. He was fantastic. And we went and recorded and, you know, did all the various bits around it, interviews and stuff. And there was a whole yeah, yeah. banter because Jed, we were doing it. So everyone's trying to put oh, you know, pitch up against yeah, Jed yeah, yeah. and all that. So there was loads of banter and loads yeah. of bit of fun and, you know, whatever. So it was, it was great fun to do. And we did love the song. And um, yeah, Umut Kutluk, who was this phenomenal designer, had made this outfit for me, which was just astonishing with all these feathers. There. It was amazing. Yeah, it was I was amazing. like, this is, I look like a fantastic drag queen. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. I was like, oh, I felt like a million dollars in that. But um. Yeah, and then we did it, and then it didn't, you know, Jedward got through. And yeah, it didn't, yeah, Jedward, yeah. they were all. And so, you know, that was one of those things I did. But it's funny, I find I'm living in the UK because obviously there's a lot of that, you know, there's such a huge world family around the Eurovision. Like, everybody yeah, is, yeah. You, you know, you, until you're involved, you don't even realise how big it is. It's like yeah. enormous. So it gets loads of internet, you know, you're everywhere. So I find that a lot of people that I've met in the UK here have said to me, did you do Eurovision for Ireland? And I've gone with it. Well, we Googled it, we found this. And I was like, no, we didn't do Eurovision for Ireland. I did Eurosong in Ireland. You know, yeah, but yeah. a lot of people think that that's <laughs> Well, the I've Eurovision, done. like it seems to have this big, like I'm friends with Neve Cavanagh because she yeah. lived well, around Neve's the amazing. world for me. I knew Neve. I went to school with Neve years ago. Oh, no way. She ahead of me in school. We went to the same school. So I've known her from way back when we were kids. Oh, wow. Because yeah. yeah, she lived around the corner from me in, uh, she lived in Willow Park Grove. Every so often, she doesn't live in Dublin anymore, but every so often she comes back to do a Eurovision thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So amazing. I usually meet her for dinner beforehand. Then she goes and does the thing. And then sometimes I see her after, sometimes I don't. don't. Sometimes yeah. it's just like away from across the room as a whole lot of like gay men queue up to cry on her shoulder. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. It's grand, I'll see, I'll see you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it's so huge. Yeah. I mean, all, all those that have gone, I mean, Ireland have such an amazing reputation. You know, when you yeah, think about they do. It. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if we jazz, never won yeah, again, yeah, yeah. you could Which go. We probably won't. Yeah, but if if we never did, you kind of go. Well, we're still one of the greats. The European yeah, greats. we are. It's one of the do few you know things we have. Yeah. yeah. But um, and look at the and, and the careers. Everyone who's entered it, who's gone there and been successful, has had these great, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Of it, you know, the Johnny Logan, Linda Martin, Neve. Like, it's amazing. So, but, um, what would you like to do next? Do you look back and go, "I'd love to do another crack at singing"? Yeah, I, I, um, I think the last things I did say before I stopped to have kind of family, um, where I'd been doing boogie nights for years, which yeah, I'd gotten which was involved. Amazing. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of fallen into that through uh, friends of mine. I'd, I'd stood in an Abba esque for my friend Yvonne. 
um, after I'd lost my record deal and I was like, you know, kind of a jobbing musician. And um, and, and out of that, Yvonne was going to be, she was going to be originally the singer in Boogie Nights. She knew the lads. And then she couldn't do this gig and she asked me to stand in and I became the singer. And we ended up having this great band that we did for it, you know. And then I, like things, I did other things. So like I did Michael Fatley's Celtic Tiger. I toured with him doing that for like oh, yeah, for yeah. months and months and months all around the world, which is amazing. Got to, like when I think about it, you go and play Madison Square Gardens and the only three people who were on their own on the stage were Michael, Paul doing his song and me doing mine and you're like that's unbelievable Paul Harrington oh right okay yeah there was there was three songs in that in that show for singers and originally two were written for a girl um, but one of them was quite like an operatic number and one for a guy and they didn't know whether they were going to do the kind of operatic number as a guy's number as well so in the end Paul did two songs and I did one so what's yeah, it like so, going out to sing on Madison Square Garden that must be oh incredible God. well you know it's just like places like that have an energy all onto themselves you know, it's not like being, because you, you, when you're on a tour like that and you're going to loads of venues all the time and you're not always seeing the cities that you're in, you're, you're yeah, going yeah. back to back. Some you do, but a lot you don't. And you and most, and a lot of venues will look the same. And then every now and again, this this nugget of like gem will just land. You'll go, go in there. And you're in, and obviously you're in New York City as well. So yeah, it's like amazing. everything about it is just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we uh, and we had a couple of days off there, so we got to do some sightseeing and stuff. But yeah, but it was just I, I remember when Paul was doing his sound check and I was out front taking photographs from on stage and he was doing the same for me. We we're like, you've got to record this moment. Yeah. Like this is, you know, and it's the, the venue's empty and they're setting it all up, but you're like, you know, the Rolling Stone. Anyone, list anyone. Yeah, everybody. Pick an artist. All been on that They've stage, all been on yeah. the stage doing wow. it. Wow. You know, and um, and my my New York family, a family in New York, they came there to see me there. So for them to even think oh, they're going incredible. to Madison, yeah. it's just, you know, but I was such a buzz and such a pleasure to do that show and travel all the world. We did like Hong Kong, Taiwan, all states in Canada and Europe. That was and, a long time then. Europe, yeah, we it? did. It was like, yeah, it was months on tour and back a little bit. And obviously I was doing Boogie Nights then. So it was hard for me because with Boogie Nights, I had to, by the end of it, my name was signed into the contract as the only person who really had to be there for the gigs. Because oh, okay. if we, unless I was sick, but it yeah. meant that the pressure was on me a lot, and that was because for those times when I was away, I was missing all these gigs, and obviously people were saying, you know, well the band are brilliant, but you know they look at the the gig like the front press, and we always had fantastic stand-in singers, yeah, yeah. like they were our top class. But I did, I still loved it, and I was, and again, it was another experience for me. It was like I'm getting to do what I love to do, and I'm I'm getting to see the world. Okay, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not the superstar doing it, but I'm still doing it. You know, and I'm getting to do what I love to do. And, it, and there comes a point where you kind of say, look, well, if I'm never going to be that, I mean, never, never, but if you're never going to be the superstar you'd hoped you would be, and I don't even mean in just to attain, I just mean having a very successful career doing what yeah, you yeah. love. Yeah, yeah, and it being reliable. Yeah, yeah. Um, then at least I'm doing this, I'm singing, I'm still, because it's all I ever knew, you know. Yeah. It's great in school, I did well in school and all that, but I just wanted to sing, sing, sing as a child. Yeah, and, it's like and, a bug. In yeah. yeah, and then so what happened was, when I did the song, and then, and then we didn't get, we didn't make through, Jedward went off and, you know, did the honours for us that year. I had started my IVF. I did, when I was doing the IVF, someone had said to me when I started my first one, a friend from Ireland who um, had, had gotten pregnant on her second IVF. And she said, oh, right. I'm going to say this to you, the first time my head wasn't in it. She said, it won't make sense to you now, but at some point it might make sense to you. And I was thinking, well, my head's in it. I'm totally doing everything you need to do. Like, that's, you know. And then when it didn't work the first time and it didn't work the second time for me and then I remember thinking I, I get what she means now and what it was is I was travelling I was touring I was still doing all this stuff I was still gigging I was living in London I was coming back to Ireland all the time for gigs I was doing I was still because at that point I'd, I'd also been doing like loads of TV bits of like little presenting things and I was yeah, still yeah. modelling I was kind of branching yeah. into loads of stuff you know you know somebody was launching a whole set of kids rucksacks for you know, with lumber support for I was the person on talking to, you know, on TV going, okay, yeah, this is the, yeah, this yeah. is, you know, so I was doing loads of branching and thinking, well, I'm not going to be modeling forever, you know, and do these other little things. And, um, and I just kind of thought I'm spreading myself too thin here. This okay, is, yeah. that's what she meant, but you head not in. So I thought what I need to do is stop everything. I need to go, my focus and my job right now is that I want to focus on this. I want to have a family. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Then my time is now. That's it. So I just stopped gigging. I just okay. said to the lads, I'm, you know, I stepped away from Boogie Nights and I said, look, I'm going to, I'm not going to publicize, I'm not going to put anything on Facebook or whatever that says, I'm dropping out. I don't want to do that because obviously you've got, we've got gigs booked for next year that we need to think about, but we, we'll have to, so I let you, I'll let you guys, we'll have a think about how to deal with it, but I'm not. So I didn't, I just kind of stepped away. I didn't do, oh, it's been great. I've been with Boogie Nights for X amount of years. Yeah, or I've yeah, done yeah. this and I just kind of stepped away from it. That's what I had to do. Yeah, Irish I had to protect. Yeah, it was kind of, I had to protect everybody. You know, when you're working with a team and you're all gigging and you're all making money at the same, you know, you're all gigging together. Everyone's relying on the other person yeah. to do their gig. And if somebody opts out of that, then that can affect it for everyone. So I just kind of thought we need to, this needs to be managed a little bit better and, you know, I won't do all the 
said, I only set up my first Twitter account when Eurovision was on. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, oh my was gosh. Like, son. Yeah, and yeah. my nieces were going, we'll help you manage all of this. You know, as I was doing this. So I just kind of, yeah, just kind of took time out, went away. And I did, got pregnant that time. And then that was over six years ago. And so I came back the other time, like when my daughter was very little, when she was a tiny baby, I came back. People would ask me to come back and do gigs or certain gigs that I was booked in to do that I could do, you know, got myself yeah, back yeah. in shape real quick, thought, right, let's go back and do this. And and a lot of those gigs, like when we did Boogie Nights gigs and stuff, and when I did, we had like another band called The Divas. We had an ABBA band called ABBA Revival. So, but I used to do those gigs with my best friends who are uh, Yvonne uh, McMahon Tiernan and, and Ursula McLaughlin and both amazing. So Ursula had actually been signed to Warner's. I'd met her years before. Yes, She was signed to Warner's right. when I was signed. Please she was don't kind cry of, and... she had, yeah, yeah, kind of quite folky stuff. And so we were best buddies. So we were getting to do these gigs together. So it was great. We we're like, I'd fly back into Ireland. We'd be doing these great gigs. We'd, we'd catch up. It was yeah, like, you yeah. know, <laughs> Get together yeah. it was great. So I did a, quite a bit of that, dabbled in and out. I did some random studio work with like I did some vocals here in London on like a on a video game, you know, random okay, stuff that yeah, friends yeah, on yeah. the go, we need you, can you come in and do this? So but I may also made a decision then I thought on my pregnancy it wasn't that was difficult but what I think when it's IVF it's a little bit more you're kind of a bit more yeah, anxious about it, the whole thing right yeah, up to yeah. the right up to the wire. At that point, I said I didn't want to be putting myself. I thought, right, I've loads of contacts here. I've loads of people in the Ireland that were going. Let me know when you're ready to go if you want, you know, work because I I yeah, yeah. do more studio work and all that kind of thing. We'll put you in contact. But I was always very conscious that I don't want to say no to people. So until I felt that I was able to say yes to whatever I was needed to do, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be putting myself out there. You okay, know, yeah. so I was kind of focused on being a mum for a bit. You know, I struggled a little bit with postnatal depression and all that. So, you know, yeah, it's hard course, time and yeah, you're on your yeah. own in a different country. Yeah. But, you know, so I kind of stepped back completely. Okay. So I, besides the odd gig that I would do in Ireland and the odd little bit here and there, I really didn't actively push myself out there. But I found that as the longer time goes on, I miss it. You do miss it. Yeah. Because I'd, to me, it's not like a job. It's something like I'll sing all day long in the house and I'll sing, you know, my daughter loves to sing and stuff and we'll do this together. And But... Yeah, I do miss, and be for me, the, what I miss about being on stage, it's not the audience part of being on stage. It's not that I need you to think I'm great. I just need to be, I feel like I need to be up there doing something. Yeah, well, that I suppose you're showing like, a side of yourself that you don't normally get to show. Yeah, but it's also, it's like, it's all I know. It's all I've done since I was little. Yeah. It's all I ever wanted to do. And I also believe that, you know, having a family and all shouldn't ever stop you with these things. Like, that shouldn't be the reason no, it stops no, you. You know, no, I, no. I, you know, you just go straight back in and do what you're doing. So, and I, I think because I lived in the UK, I think if I'd lived in Ireland and I had a had child, then like within three months, I would have been back on the doing what I was doing. Yeah, I would have been yeah. back modeling again. It's, it's the thing, like it's, it's like, I have to get a flight. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's, it's not even that. It was more that I was kind of just in a, kind of in a bubble, in this bubble over here, and I'd stepped away from it a bit. But if I'm there, if I'd been there and people would have been asking you more, they see and they'd say, "Will you do this?" And then you know, more work leads to more work leads to more work, and it just you know keeps going like that. So I would have done a lot more had I been there. And obviously, I would have had networks of people like my sister yeah. and my mum and all to go take the baby and do. So I kind of buffered it all a little bit and stayed. Thought, right, I'm just yeah. going to enjoy being a mum and enjoy that this phase of my life for a bit. And then when the time is right, I'll have a look and see where do I fit in, what can I do now, what would I like yeah. to do, you know, reevaluate it all. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay, so there could be more to come. Well, God, yeah, hopefully, hopefully there yeah. will be. It, I've, I, I, I went, I did something mad recently. I just thought, you know what? I went and hired Pineapple Dance Studios for two hours, and I thought, right, I'm going in with all my stuff, like my tracks, my mics, and stuff, everything, you know, all everything I got, iPods, MP3s, all the oh, stuff uh, I had for years to find everything. I just okay, thought yeah. they have the facilities there to just bang it all in. Brought my laptop, but you know, every track I could possibly have everywhere on anything, you know, any device I brought with me. And brought my my own mic and stuff in, and just set up. I thought I'm just going to sing for two hours. I'm just going to blast it here in this proper dance studio. Where you know, I'm sure people were peeking, trying to peek in, and they were probably who's that in there? You know, them thinking, yes. oh, it's just some girl singing. <laughs> but um, but I just wanted to do. I want. I said I need to start somewhere now again because I'd had throat surgery years oh, ago. Okay. As well. Yeah, I had got way back after my throat surgery. I was gigging with boogie nights then and we were really at the height of things. We we're doing like all the midnight at the Olympias and stuff. We're oh yeah, yeah. We we're doing like loads of fantastic work. And um, just the constant use. I was like singing every night for hours and okay. talking in between every song. And as you can tell, I like to talk. I don't <laughs> stop for many breaths. So, <laughs> so, so it was a little wonder. And then, yeah, I got notes of my vocal cords, had an amazing surgery in Ireland, got when it was dealt with, when I had my surgery and I recovered. My singing voice was better than ever because my range had been, was smoother then, like where there had been a little, you know, nudge. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was singing notes better than ever. 
and also because but but like any instrument i would not used it now for years so i thought right i'm just going to go in hire the studio go in and just belt out and see where where i'm a bit rusty see where you know is there any problems with anything going along you know what i just blast it out and do it so i did that and i really enjoyed it oh brilliant and um and yeah and then a few people have come to me recently and said god would you do this and i was going yeah i'm you know i'm yeah, thinking i'm gonna do talk. yeah and then another guy a friend the, the, the two big the two big musical highlights of my calendar in the last year have been i did the two school fairs at my daughter's school i made a band with some of the teachers i made all the costumes because like made, we used to make yeah, yeah, nice yeah. costumes and all that as well and we did a gig at the school fair which has now become the thing that has to happen every we did at both summer amazing fairs. and all the kids are loving it and the teachers are like loving it they're queuing up i want to do it next year so it's, so that was just a real buzz for me and i you yeah know, if, I, if i'm not out there doing it i'm doing it for the love of it here for different reasons fantastic so out of that some other people have come to me and said i i used to sing in bands when i was you know so we're decided, we decided we might get a little funny thing together on the side, you know. Oh, yeah. But um, a side hustle. Yeah. A mummy side hustle. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, watch this. Bit. <laughs> but um, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm on board already. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, I'll, you're the first person I'll call. <laughs> Una, it's been amazing. Oh, to talk to you. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. That was the fabulous Una Gibney. Just to let you know, if you are a subscriber to Headstuff Plus, there is more from that interview over on headstuffpodcasts.com. I chat to Una about her independently releasing music and also about a crunch decision she had to make between work and real life. Thanks so much to Una for doing this interview. She is absolutely one of the loveliest people that you will meet. We've all had a strange year, but Una's has been especially crazy and I really hope that we do hear a lot more from her soon. If and when her music goes online or on YouTube, you will hear about it first here. I promise I will post it and that has to happen because there's too many good songs out there that she did that are not available. I have put her social media links in the information for this episode, but Una is very much a Scarlet Pimpernel when it comes to social media. Did Marilyn Monroe have an Instagram account? She did not. She did not. However, if you want to follow somebody on social media, you can follow me. I'm at Garoad Farrelly on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, but who uses Facebook? There will be a new episode soon. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.